0: Submit the chapter inquiry form on our website, parentsrightsined.com. Hey, this is Parents Rights Now. It's Suzanne Gallagher. And the topic for today is social emotional learning, hottest topic in public ed. The Pioneer Institute came out with a white paper in March of 2019 titled New Age Nanny State. I will read it to you. This will take several podcast episodes, but I believe it is well worth your time. The article is filled with footnotes and references taking you through a detailed evolution of SEL and how it permeates school curriculum today. Please note we have the Pioneer Institute white paper on our website and we'll provide the link in our podcast notes. The hottest topic in American public education is social Emotional Learning, S-E-L. As student scores on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, the nation's report card, paint a gloomy picture of students' accomplishments in reading and mathematics, especially since the implementation of Common Core State Standards, CCSSI, Education decision makers look forward to probing students' psyches rather than instilling academic knowledge. Perhaps they really do think such social emotional exploration will increase students' academic achievement. Perhaps they merely want to divert attention from poor results on NAEP and other assessments. Or perhaps they have something more troubling in mind with respect to shaping children's dispositions and opinions. Parents, teachers, and local schools are bombarded with messages about the critical necessity for the school to provide social-emotional learning. According to the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, CASEL, C-A-S-E-L, which reigns as the godfather of SEL in pre-K through 12 education, SEL is, quote, the process by which children and adults acquire and effectively apply knowledge, attitudes, and skills necessary to understand and manage emotions, set and achieve positive goals, feel and show empathy for others, Establish and maintain positive relationships and make responsible decisions. Unquote. The social emotional traits to be inculcated include self awareness, self management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision making. Boy, the marketing sounds good. What parents wouldn't want their children to be able to manage emotions, feel empathy for others, and make responsible decisions? Parents instill these traits at home, and civil institutions such as church, scouts, and sports reinforce the lessons. And of course, good teachers have also been doing so from time immemorial, simply as part of operating in a school community. So, what is different about the new SEL push? For one thing, it transfers the locus of instruction from family, civil, and religious institutions to the school, effectively government. It also formalizes and expands what teachers do naturally as part of running a classroom, perhaps with its own standards and curricula, either standalone or embedded in academic materials. It includes assessment of how well students perform pursuant to these standards and curricula. Is David sufficiently empathetic? Does Jennifer exhibit sufficient leadership skills? SEL doesn't assume the presence of licensed counselors or other trained clinicians for its implementation. Rather, as illustrated by this CASEL report on recommended LCL programs, standard procedure is to offer some sort of training to teachers and perhaps designated administrators and have them teach the material and evaluate the results. As discussed in detail throughout this paper, it means to assess whether students' personality or character traits are developing as desired. Because the data from these assessments may be included in the statewide longitudinal data system, To endure forever and perhaps to shape the child's future path, there is much justifiable concern about the source and subjectivity of SEL standards and the qualifications of the implementing personnel. Carried to its logical conclusion, SEL can replace parental influence with the ultimate nanny state. But Concerns aside, enormous sums are being poured into SEL in public schools. One 2017 study by a pro-SEL organization estimated that K-12 public school systems spend approximately $640 million each year on specific programming and practices designed to instill SEL teachers also reported that they spend about 8% of their time on SEL, which would translate into another $30 billion annual investment. Any movement that is claiming such a substantial share of resources should be examined to see what, if anything, it's accomplishing and what problems it may create for our children and their families. You must be thinking, where did SEL come from? It is deeply rooted in the history of American progressive education. Early 20th century progressive educators, such as Edward Thorndike of Columbia University Teachers College, advocated linking education with psychology. Thorndike equated learning with training and believed in the approach of learning by conditioning. Children, like Pavlov's dogs, could be conditioned to exhibit the desired behaviors by a system of positive or negative consequences linked to particular actions. John Dewey, the Dean of American Progressive Education, was equally enthusiastic about manipulating the psychological aspects of learning as a means of manipulating the child, impressed by the educational potential of social behaviorism as used in totalitarian societies, he lauded the marvelous developments of progressive educational ideas and practices and the required collective and cooperative mentality. He was convinced that the great task of the school is to counteract and transform those domestic and neighborhood tendencies, the influence of the home and the church. Dewey sought to introduce similar techniques into American education. His theory of continually subjecting students to group work as a means of socializing them Is central to modern education's call for group work, collaboration, group consensus, and problem based learning. These attributes are also highly prized by entities that see education primarily as a means of workforce preparation. Trade associations such as the United States Chamber of Commerce, And the Business Roundtable, think tanks, such as the National Center for Education and the Economy, and large corporations, label these attributes 21st century skills or character traits. But they may do little more than equip students with the groupthink or team player mentality to be compliant employees. Former NCEE President Mark Tucker laid the foundation for molding American education into workforce training back in 1992 in his now-famous Dear Hillary letter sent right after Arkansas Governor Bill Clinton was elected president. Tucker wrote that the goal of the education system should be to, quote, Create a seamless web of opportunities to develop one's skills that literally extends from cradle to grave and is the same system for everyone, young and old, poor and rich, worker and full time student. SEL has been a formal part of Tucker's ideal system since 1994 when President Clinton signed the Goals 2000 Educate America Act. Yale University played a major role in the modern history of SEL. In the late 1960s, Dr. James Comer of Yale School of Medicine's Child Studies Center developed a program called the Comer School Development Programme to try to improve academic achievement at two low-income schools in New Haven. Comer's theory was that the contrast between a child's experiences at home and those in school deeply affect the child's psychosocial development and that this, in turn, shapes academic achievement. If the school could concentrate on that psychosocial development – it could increase the child's chances of success. Comer claimed improved in achievement and diminished behavioral problems in these New Haven schools, although critics note that he dropped one of the schools altogether and replaced it with another and took seven years to record any substantial improvement. 30 years later, Comer himself admitted that only about a third of the 650 schools implementing his program had been able to sustain the reforms. Other researchers also studied the program's implementation in various cities and found little benefit to either academic achievement or juvenile justice interactions. Nevertheless, the Comer approach has been embraced as the foundation of much of the push for SEL. Yale produced other key figures in the SEL movement. In the late 1980s, Psychology professor Roger Weisberg worked with Timothy Shriver, a former teacher and nephew of the famous Kennedy politicians, to create the K-12 New Haven Social Development Program. That program aimed to help students develop positive self-confidence and hone skills in self-monitoring in values such as personal responsibility and respect for self and others. Weisberg also co-chaired the WT Grant Consortium on the School-Based Promotion of Social Competence, an organization of youth development experts created to establish SEL in Schools, Drawing on the work of various education and child development professionals, this consortium identified the following emotional skills as necessary for emotional competence. Identifying and labeling feelings. Expressing feelings. Assessing the intensity of feelings. Managing feelings. Delaying gratification controlling impulses, and reducing stress. These skills the consortium advocated should be formally taught in K-12 schools. These early awakenings of SEL coincided with and were related to the development of outcome-based education. Although OBE meant different things to different people, the central idea was that the school system, or the government, should establish centrally determined outcomes that the students should meet before progressing to the next level. The modern term for outcomes is competencies. The OBE movement, to some extent, grew out of Benjamin Bloom's mastery learning concept, which posited that given sufficient time and appropriate help, 95% of students can learn a subject up to high levels of mastery. OBE champion William Spadey took this a step further. Spadey claimed, All students can learn and succeed, but not on the same day and in the same way it should be apparent that even the best teacher under ideal circumstances cannot get 95 or 100% of his or her students up to high levels of mastery in any academic subject. Though a large percentage might achieve a floor level set by the education administration, natural differences in students' intelligence and aptitude will interfere with achieving truly high levels of mastery. Obviously, OBE proponents were referring to something other than academic subjects, to non-cognitive aspects of performance, which most or all students could be trained to demonstrate. In practice, OBE developed into what Spadey called transformational OBE, designed to prepare students for the life performance roles. Such roles require not academic content, knowledge, but complex applications of many kinds of knowledge and all kinds of competence as people confront the challenges surrounding them in their social systems. This was essentially social engineering. Developing the types of people that government determined were helpful to society. Indeed, in 1981, Benjamin Bloom himself argued that the purpose of education is to change the thoughts, feelings, and actions of students. Early progressive educators would have approved. Thorndike argued decades earlier that the aim of the teacher is to produce desirable and prevent undesirable changes in human beings by producing and preventing certain responses. As OBE splintered under parental backlash in the 1990s, SEL proponents salvaged the key ideas and continued to advance. The 1990s saw a blossoming of SEL activity. CASEL, originally the Collaborative to Advance Social and Emotional Learning, was established in 1994 and immediately began hosting conferences and sponsoring research. CASEL collaborators also produced the influential Promoting Social and Emotional Learning Guidelines for Educators. The current board chairman of Castle is Timothy Shriver, and Roger Weisberg serves both on the board and as chief knowledge officer. Another noteworthy board member is Dr. Linda Darling Hammond, a professor emerita at the Stanford Graduate School of Education. Darling Hammond was an Obama education advisor and transition team leader who is well known in progressive education circles for her advocacy for educational equity and co author of the federally funded Smarter. Balanced Assessment Consortium to test the Common Core standards. The push for a greater focus on emotional skills in school received a boost from the 1995 publication of Emotional Intelligence, Why It Can Matter More Than IQ, written by journalist Daniel Goleman. Emotional intelligence triggered a wave of similar books and articles designed to evaluate emotional skills over traditionally understood intelligence as a predictor of future achievement. Numerous psychologists and psychiatrists disputed Goldman's conclusions and even the existence of the concept of emotional intelligence itself. One critical psychologist was blunt. Let me say it again. There is no such thing as EQ. Scientifically, it's a fraudulent concept, a fad, a convenient bandwagon, a corporate marketing scheme. But Castle and other SEL advocates embrace the book as justification for increased implementation of SEL in schools. SEL also overlaps with the self esteem movement that flourished in the 1980s, conceived in California. The self-esteem theory spread throughout the country with research demonstrating its effectiveness for proving students' academic achievement and other life outcomes. Proponents argued that societal problems such as crime and addiction could be lessened by teaching children to think well of themselves. Leaders such as then-Governor Bill Clinton, First Lady Barbara Bush, and General Colin Powell endorsed the concept— but much of the positive research was later shown to be bogus or at least compromised by political considerations. The promised transformation of education and society never materialized. Comedians began to take pot shots and the movement faded. Nowhere more than in education, however, do bad ideas take hold and refuse to die. In 2016, a prominent SEL proponent called the Aspen Institute perpetuated this particular bad idea by creating the National Commission on Social, Emotional, and Academic Development, or the Commission. The goal of the commission is to accelerate the transfer of research about social and emotional skill building which includes developing the interpersonal skills that organizers say contribute to success in school, college and work into teaching practices across the nation. Linda Darling Hammond, who serves on the castle board, co-chairs the Aspen Commission. Proving the bipartisan allure of SEL, another co-chairman is John Engler, former Republican governor of Michigan and past president of the Pro-SEL Business Roundtable. The commission also comprises an assortment of military, business, and philanthropic leaders, including Timothy Shriver. The commission recently published its final report, the recommendations of which will be analyzed throughout this paper. As will be explained later, numerous other private foundations have joined the advocacy for SEL. The message disseminated by these players is that SEL is a promising concept that hasn't been seriously attempted in schools. But the SEL elements pushed by the purveyors, self-confidence, self-efficacy, self-motivation, etc., are in large part merely a repackaging of the self-esteem and transformational OBE movements. The difference is that the concepts now have more support in the federal legal structure, and they can be implemented with much more sophisticated tools. Next time, we will learn about how they pull it off, The first foothold SEL gained in federal law came through the Goals 2000 Educate America Act, signed by President Clinton in 1994. Thanks for joining me. I'm Suzanne Gallagher, and this is Parents' Rights Now. Please forward this to your friends. Do you know any parents who don't have any time to read lengthy emails? That's what the podcast is for. You have complete control over your access to this information, and you can share it. Share, share, share. Please send it to your friends and invite them to subscribe to Parents' Rights Now. Don't forget to register for the Northwest Safe Schools Summit featuring Walt Heyer, Heidi St. John, Bernadette Broyles Esquire, and Rebecca Friedrichs check out events on our website. Parents Rights in Education is a tax deductible non-profit organization. We rely solely on your contributions. Help stop sexualization of our students in public schools. Together, we can do this. See you next time to learn more about Parents Rights now.